the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Combat Cast with another episode. I believe episode 24 right now. We're just plugging away. 25 coming up. It's the man they call Dave. It's Chevy Rooney. And we are going to talk combat sports. But before we do anything, Chevy. Tell them what's coming up. All right, let's let's see what we got. We got December 11th, big UFC pay-per-view 269, Oliveira versus Poirier. The whole card is super stacked, like top to bottom, very excited. And then on December 18th, we're going to have UFC Fight Night, Derek the Black Beast Lewis versus Chris Dukakis, big heavyweight fight. Yes. Then at the end of the year, we're going to do – the episode will come out on Christmas – but it'll be our wrap-up show, so we'll talk about our favorite fights of the year and uh, and all that. Then the week after, that'll be January 1st, we're going to do a prediction show for right. what we think it, the new, you know, the best fights of the year or what we want to see in the upcoming year and, you know, who we think will be champ, all that kind of stuff. Who will lose their belt? We'll yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm really excited for this Poirier-Charles Oliveira card. That's the one that's got me most excited. So uh, can't wait for that next week. But, you know, before we get into uh, the first subject, I'm going to talk a little boxing. You saw some highlights and stuff this weekend. I do have to say, Mr. AJ Strangebrew, I talked to him this weekend, by the way, too. And we will try to get him on when we start doing another boxing 531. He's not as big in the MMA, but he's really into the history of boxing. So I did talk to him. That'll be on the work. I know Randy's right. awesome. Randy will appreciate this. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it, Randy Oscar. Yeah. Number one fan. AJ, if you listen to this, I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but if you listen to our <laughs> podcast, we got some love for you. All right. 
So tell me about this fight you saw this weekend. I know some some of the guys here. Yeah, so we had Tiafimo Lopez, who was the champ, undefeated champ. He held a bunch of belts. He was fighting George Campos Jr., the Aussie, who's also undefeated. Campos was a 13-to-1 underdog. There was a bunch of shit talking before the fight. Tifomo's dad is his coach, and Campos is Campos's coach. His his father is his coach as well. They had issues at like a media scrum where Tifomo's dad is a big loudmouth and came walking. He stepped over a line he shouldn't have. Apparently, coming at George Senior and there's punches thrown and it'd be broken up and all that. And then Tifomo's dad was yelling, you know, my son's going to knock your son out in the first round, all this. So basically gave away a game plan because Tifimo came out in the first round. This fight was at MSG. So that's where Tifimo's from is New York. So a big hometown crowd for him. Comes out in the first round, just guns blazing, trying to throw heavy, heavy overhand rights to knock out George. But George played it real smart. He, he was eating some shots, but wearing them well. And he ended up knocking down Lopez in the at the end of the first round. And he caught him real clean. It was a big eye-opener for him. Mm-hmm. And Tiafimo acknowledged it, too. You could see on his face, like, okay, yeah, you got me. <laughs> it was a pretty back-and-forth fight. You know, there was, like, streaks where three rounds, you know, George would win. And then three rounds, Tiafimo would win. But they were all pretty close. And then George got rocked in the ninth round, I think it was. And then he came back and dominated the 11th and 12th round. So it ended up going to a decision. It was a split decision for Campos Jr. And Tifimo, as soon as the first card was read, was already in shock. He went on a whole spiel afterwards. Right. You know, he took the mic when he was when Campos was being interviewed and said, you know, I got robbed or whatever. Yeah. I won, he said, I won 10 of those 12 rounds and the hometown crowd for him just started booing him, which was pretty shocking. It was not a good look for him. Uh, I know a lot of people online, a lot of boxers and boxing insiders and all that were giving him a hard time, calling him a sore loser and and all that. But when you're undefeated, you know, Yante Wilder, you know, sometimes you just don't handle a loss very well. I mean, it's possible he was in there and he thought he was winning, you know, you're getting punched in the face. So. He could be concussed or whatever. He did get knocked down in the first round, so he could have just been concussed the rest of the fight and thought he was winning all these rounds, but that's not what I saw. Yeah. Also, too, one thing about boxing, too, traditionally, these losses mean a lot more than they say, like, in the UFC or MMA in general. You don't see a lot of top, top stars in boxing that have seven, eight losses. Part of that is because boxing historically has done a really good job of promoting your undefeated fighters or your fighters that have only one loss. And that's how they kind of build people up. Sometimes it's been traditionally too, that a lot of these fighters will fight lesser guys in the beginning of their career and they're structurally planned out to get, you know, X amount of wins and they're built up before their big fights. So when they do lose, yeah, they don't handle it well. There's also a lot more, it's hard to say because there's only so many elite big name boxers as opposed to MMA. I feel like there's a lot more, you know, even though the pay scale, everyone's so boxed and pays more. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, there's a lot, a lot of boxers that we don't even know or hear about. Right. They're making nothing. Right. But when you do get to those elite paying boxers, I would say, I feel like the showmanship 
and a lot of the we call it cringe, like the you know theatrics. Like you hear about like uh, hardcore MMA fans will sometimes get online and comments and be like, "Oh man, UFC becoming WWE. Oh man, you know UFC. This is all pro wrestling now." Like, look at boxing. <laughs> like this is not what you talked about. Like there, we got two dads arguing with each other. Dante Wilder and he's wearing a fucking ar- suit of armor to come out. <laughs> like that's definitely some WWE shit, if you ask me. Right. It's like always these pro wrestling, like you know, like always the way they handle their losses. You know. So it's whatever. But interesting that you know, uh, producer Joe's texting. Uh, me right now about this coming week's Bellator card, which uh, we'll talk about that pretty soon too. Mm-hmm. So that's ironic. So that's distraction. I, I let it all hang out here, folks. I don't. Do <laughs> but you know, it's just yeah. I, I did read an article on SportingNews.com about how Cambos that, that was his plan though was to bait him into a firefight and get him emotional, and it looks like it worked. And I think another thing too, boxing traditionally does too is usually if you have a star like Lopez, who's like a thirteen to one favorite. Typically, there's a lot of shadiness with the judges. That's where the stuff like that. They don't put a guy who comes in there and, you know, and puts on the better phone. You ain't necessarily going to win. It might be a draw or a loss. Especially in your hometown. Right. Right. But I think, yeah, he wasn't ready for that. I think he probably thought, hey, I did enough. This fight was close. And you got to, you know, that's where that adage, even though it doesn't actually make sense because mathematically it should you're still judging round by round. But there's that thing of you have to beat the champ, right? So he probably felt like that. Oh, he didn't do enough to really beat me. So I'm the champ. Nah, man. <laughs> he didn't nah. see it that way. And then your own people booed you because you're a sport sport. I think it sounds like kind of like it was just. So, uh, yeah. hey, probably be a big money rematch down the road, though. So good for those guys when that happens. I think you were saying, dude, there's some boxing this weekend, too, coming up. Right. So after the fight, Campos actually called out Kevin A. Haney, who holds the WBC lightweight championship belt. He's fighting this weekend against Joseph Jojo Diaz. I don't know a lot about Jojo Diaz. You know, as we get more into boxing, we'll we'll know. He's definitely a top-level fighter. He he has some big big name fights. Devin Haney, he's a star in the making for sure. So I assume he gets it done. But I did see an interview where he's talking about he's gonna learn from Tiafomo's mistake and he's not going to overlook his opponent so less to learn for him hopefully tough fight ahead of him though I think I, I assume he gets it done and then hopefully we see him against Campos and then that is going to be on the zone and I'm just doing a quick google search and it looks like it's saying it'll be the main card is set to get underway 5 p.m um, local time which is out in Vegas Vegas yep so they're saying ring rocks at approximately 8 15 on the Vegas Strip, so that's probably they're thinking the main card. So Eastern, that's probably like eleven fifteen. So and that's never, you know, kind of, you know, right. Boxing, anywhere, anywhere kind of sit and wait. Eleven and twelve, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's probably a good estimate. So yeah, Mr. Joe here uh, texting me here. A Bellator card this weekend. We're actually going to be there in attendance again, Mr. AJ Strange Brew. Maybe he didn't know for sure we were going to get him a segment, so he wanted to sweeten the deal. <laughs> he got us tickets to a family member, I believe. And, yeah, so we're going to be there to watch Sergio Perez versus Cor- Laraguchi. Coraguchi. Coraguchi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which we talked before. He's fought in the UFC. He lost a mighty mouse, basically with one second left in the fifth round. He was going to probably he was, he was going to lose the fight anyway, but, you know, that was young. He's 
since gone on and won the Ryzen title, defended it multiple times, lost it, and just won it back. And then we have Sergio Pettis, who was in the UFC, Anthony Pettis' brother, doing well in there. Now he comes over to Bellator. He's the Bantamweight champion. And we talked about this before, and uh, we'll talk more about Aldo and Font, the main event, coming up this week on ESPN 31. But that's just Bantamweight. It's just such a stacked division, like, all around. I mean, these are two quality fighters that I won't say are better than the UFC elite, but they could be there. Like, you know, I think I said I was rooting for Sergio last time, and I was going to probably pick Sergio. I've been thinking about this a little more. I'm still rooting for Sergio, but I think Horiguchi is probably really got him. Like, I've been looking more at some of the fights, too. He's very well-rounded. Like, he can strike. He can grapple, submission. And not to say that Sergio isn't, but I feel like Horiguchi has a lot more, despite the fact you know, Sergio's fresh off the UFC, and he's got Anthony Pettis in the big gym. I feel like Horiguchi's got a lot more big fight experience fighting for titles. And that experience, especially when you're talking at two, you know, elite level athletes, I feel is going to be the difference here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, you know, would love to pick Sergio with my heart, but my brain tells me Horiguchi. The only thing we don't know, so Horiguchi's, you know, I won't say weathered, mm. but he, he has a lot of miles on him as far as fights go. Sergio is reaching his prime now of his athletic career. He this is the point in his career where he could be getting exponentially better with every fight. So you never know if you're gonna we're gonna see the best version of him. You know his best version he could beat Horiguchi. So it's possible we see him win. That's what makes the fight exciting. I think stylistically Horiguchi is more well-rounded so if the fight goes to the ground i like his chances sergio's exciting and quick with a stand-up so if it's a stand-up fight that certainly favors sergio yeah it's cool i like the fact that we have two promotion you know both champions fighting here it's very cool i like promotional matches like this i wish ufc would do this a little more but they're the big dogs and you know they're not going to just do that they don't want to give any shine to any of the other promotions is the whole thing so you get why they don't do it well yeah it sucks for as fans yeah like they'll they don't even want to mess with boxing anymore you know like they did that once and i think they did that strategically because they knew what that fight was going to mean just for them too like yeah you had to get behind this cop excuse me mayweather deal because that was too much money to be made too much money to be made by everybody it was so huge and even O'Connor, I don't want to say it was his downfall, but he hasn't won an MMA fight since then. Cowboy. Oh, such a cowboy. Yeah. You're right, right, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he just hasn't had any luck since then. I think, you know, I think that took a lot of his drive out of him. But that being said, oh my God, the spotlight and the shine. I mean, you know, the ESPN, Busty, I want to say, and all that stuff came after that too. Like you mm-hmm. really put yourself in a, you know, big time. So you had to do it, but they don't like to. Like, if you look at it now, like, you know, they don't have any, like, you know, you got Usman talking about Canelo, and they don't want to do that. And they know what's going to happen, especially if it's the boxing. But you did hear Dana. Yeah, if he wants to come over here, yeah, we'll do that all day. Yeah, no no one's going to do that. It's a guaranteed loss. Right. But Bellator's in a different position. You know, you're trying to gain shine. You're trying to gain attention. So you almost have to do things like this. I like the fact that they have to do things like this, though, because, like I said, it makes it more interesting, at least to me. For them, I think they could get, you know, a new audience from something like this. You know, they get Ryzen is a 
Asian based company. Right. So they could, you know, get some shine, get some fa- some new fans, a new fan base in Asia when you do these kinds of things. So I think that's what they're really going for. And same with Ryzen. They're trying to become more of a well known, you know, if they send their champion over here and he dominates the Bellator champion, right. you know, people are gonna be like, Oh, you know, they got some good fighters. You know, maybe we should check out this Ryzen show. So it works for them, but I get why the UFC doesn't do it because they're not going to get any bigger than they are. They're right. known globally. So, yeah, absolutely. They're the big dogs. So, that being said, they're the big dogs. Sometimes when you're the big dogs, you know, you're going to let talent go. So, we'll talk about that for a little bit here. We just saw, yeah, like, uh, the, like the WWE. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could be <laughs> in trouble, you know. Bellator or Rising could be the next AEW. Right. Well, they're definitely, yeah, there is a little something to that, too. It's interesting. These uh, companies that are, like, nipping on the heels. But, yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, yeah, Kevin Lee gets let go. I was going to talk about that. So, Kevin Lee gets let go. You know, do we see him in Bellator, you think? Or maybe PFL? Where do you think he ends up? I think he gets his pick of where he wants to go. He's going to do well wherever he goes. Initially, I was like, why did they cut Kevin Lee? And then I remembered that he lost five of his last seven fights. Right. You know, with that being said, he had some tough weight cuts and weight cutting issues. He had a staph mm-hmm. infection. He's gone through camps too. Different yeah. Places. Yeah. It really, since his coach passed away, he's been lost since then. I know he, he went to TriStar, right? I don't know if that's the perfect fit for him. But he did well against Galepsi. You know, he KO'd Galepsi. And, you know, he's a top-level UFC talent. So I just think he has a lot of potential. He hasn't quite reached it, but you see it's there. So I don't understand why they caught him unless, you know, they're just paying him simply too much money for where he's at currently. Or they see potential issues, you know. Right. Uh, that's interesting. Like, so talk about... Too much money for where he's at. Now, somebody we haven't heard was cut, but we were talking about was moved from the rankings, was Doreen Duranamine, GGR. And I don't know if she's cut, but if she was, I thought the first thing I thought of was like not a terribly exciting fighter necessarily. She's got a few finishes here, but if you she doesn't finish you, they're usually boring fights. And but she's a former champion. She probably makes X amount of money. And they probably don't want to pay that. You know, I feel not like... well liked by the fan base either. No, no, no. She didn't want to fight Cyborg. She cheap um, shot at Holly Holm in the right. featherweight, you know, debut of the of the weight division like multiple times. Yeah. She's not a liked fighter either. Right. So right. she's not popular. She's not exciting. You gotta be on the ball, you know, you gotta be getting wins and she's inactive. Right. Yeah, so I just don't think there's enough. She's one, if she does end up, uh, and I mean, they could end up working on a deal too. You never know. But mm-hmm. she's one I know I could see. She probably would be a better fit in a Bellator or someplace like that too. Because, you know, if she's changed her mind, she probably could have a fight with Cyborg there and make some money now. And there could be a little story off of that or something. Get knocked out. Yeah, hopefully. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to happen. But <laughs> nonetheless, you know, what's funny about that, though, is like, just strong woman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, She's a great Muay Thai yeah. kickboxer. But. It's interesting that she did not want that fight at all. I've always found that peculiar. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, get back to USC. Big fight card this weekend. Well, I don't know about the card itself. We were talking about this. There's a few fights on here. I know you're most excited about the main and co-main event, but I did see 
Our boy Clay Guida is on this card too, though. Jamal right. Hill's on the card. Against Jimmy Crew. Against Jimmy, Jimmy Crew. That's a good fight. Yeah, that's yeah. a prelim fight. There's yeah, a couple. Fine. There's a couple earlier fights that are pretty good, but it's yeah. really the the main and co-main I'm super excited for. Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Yeah, Barbarina. Yeah. Clay Guida against Leonardo Santos. Probably Leonardo's probably get the win. Guida's. I don't know. He it just, doesn't matter if he wins at this point. He's just exciting to watch. He is. It's just good to see out there. Now, let's talk about this co-main event a little bit here. You were talking more about this fight when we were off there. Brad Riddell and Rafael Fasiv. Oh, yes. Brad Riddell, he fights out of uh, the City Kickboxing Camp. That's Adesanya's camp and Dan Hooker. Both these guys. So, I, Brad Riddell is undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. He just beat Drew Dober, I'm pretty sure. So that's yes. like his marquee win in the UFC. D- double check that for me. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Drew Dober. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And he also beat Magomed Staffa like two fights before that. Mm-hmm. Quick decision win, which is yep. the only loss disease has in the UFC. Right. So they, yeah, they have a mutual opponent. That was a split decision, like you said, win. And then Fazeev got, you know, an unlucky back fist from Magomed that knocked him out. I think that was his first UFC fight, and he's won everyone since then. It was. He's got, like, fight of the night two times and performance of the night. One yeah, he, he's excited. He's a, a very good, like, kickboxer. He's known. I, I remember before he was in the UFC, he's done it since he's been in the UFC as well, but I remember this clip is a gif of someone throwing a, like, side or a round kick towards his chest, and he just it was as the bell had gone off, and he just yeah. matrix bent over backwards as the kick went over the top of him. He he actually did it in the UFC as well, but he's just an exciting fighter. His stand-up is very, very good. Both guys go to decision a lot, though, in the UFC, so I think this might be a very good stand-up war that probably goes to decision. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Fazeev for the win, I think. Yeah, he's got a lot of Muay Thai championships, too. I'm looking at it now. Very impressive. Yeah, based off what I'm looking at, even though they have the common opponent, it does kind of look like Pasev just got caught. I'm going to lean with, I think you're right. I'm going to say it just goes decision, and Pasev gets to win. And I'd like to tell you it'd be fight at night, possibly. But this main event could also be fight at night. Be fight of the year. Yeah, Jose Aldo, Rob Font. I always like to shout out the story of Rob Font. I was married before. He knocked out one of my brother-in-laws <laughs> in a fight. Shout out Rob Font. Rob Font, he's a good man, getting the work done. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a story about him, too, like where I think he was delivering pizzas. I talked about this before. He saw them doing MMA on some mats in a garage. And he's like, what's that? And what a, what a story. Now this guy here is fighting Jose Aldo. This is probably a title eliminator, too. Like if he I wins, think so. Yeah, he's definitely probably got a shot. Font is coming off that victory, correct me if I'm wrong, too, over Cody Garbrandt. And he also has wins over Marlon Marais. Ricky I think he beat Sergio Pettis at one point as well. Just before the Ricky Sai fight, he beat the current Bellator champion, Sergio Pettis. So, yeah, Thomas Almeida. Just a couple losses in his career here and there, but all by, well, except for Munoz. That was a, he got caught in a choke, but. Most of the other losses have been decision. He's got an early loss in his career, too. He's really turned it on the last, like, four fights or so, though. He He's, yeah. like, grown. He's another level. His boxing, you know, everyone says they're the best boxer in the UFC. He has an argument, I think. Yeah, he's really looked great. And against Jose Aldo, who, you know, coming off his victories over Marlon Vera and Pedro Munoz, 
you know, it's interesting because before this, like Aldo had his losses, like I think it's like Volkanovski, Mal Marais. Like he's only lost to champions because that Marlon Marais fight, he didn't lose that. That was a split decision where he got robbed. He absolutely got robbed. So he's only lost to McGregor. Uh, You know, his recent losses. I think he's lost to Holloway, McGregor, Volkanovski, and then. Peter Jan, right? Yeah. So yeah. those are all champions. Right. Y- you know, some and of the best Marais fighters won. ever. Even the Marais one that he didn't win, like it was it was close. Like Marais has been a champion in other promotions too. He's not looked at his last couple fights. I think that's that should tell you about that fight too. Marais's trajectory's kind of been on a decline, whereas Aldo has looked really good after that. You know, he lost that fight to Jan, but he came out strong. Just a question, like Peter Jan's been doing this to everybody that like doesn't matter how strong you come out. Jan will just keep putting the pressure and the pressure and pressure. And, you know, that was only Aldo's second fight at Bantamweight. Mm-hmm. So, like, he did Marais in his debut, right, which I, I'd like to see that fight now, see how it goes. And then he does Jan in the second fight ever. So, since then, now he's had a little experience at Bantamweight. He's beating Marlon Vera and Pedro Munoz. And he's right. doing it. Yeah, he beat Cheeto and Pedro. Those are two top-level bandweights, and bandweights a super-stacked division. So Yeah. I mean, this guy's been the UFC featherweight champion twice. I'm just looking at some accomplishments here. You know, he's an interim champ. He had most successful title defenses in UFC featherweight history at seven. Most consecutive title defenses, so seven as well. Fighted a night four times. Performance at a night twice. He's a former World Extreme Cage Championship fighting champion. Like, he's just, he's a legend, and I want to say, I'm looking at it now, he's 36 years old, so, you know, he's not old, he's been around for a while, and he looks good still, despite all his fights. I mean, okay. Rob Font is not young either, he's 34 or 35, you know, we always think Aldo's so old, just because he has so many fights, Mm -hmm. so, you know, he has a lot of miles, but he's, you know... In the prime, the tail end of his prime, yeah, for sure of his career. But but Font is also he's up there and he still looks great. So yeah, well Font I feel like it's gaining it gaining even more steam. But Font has also not had the miles on his career that Aldo's had. It's like half the fights. Right, and Font I mean, you know, listen, this is Cottage too. He's fighting a night three times. I'm sorry, performance at a night three times. Fighting a night once. He's held a regional featherweight champion when he was starting out. So. You know, these guys, this is going to be a good fight, knockout fight. This is a real hard fight to pick. I don't know if it goes to decision. If it goes to decision, though, I'm leaning towards, I'm kind of leaning towards Aldo either way. I'm going to say Font's best chance is a decision, though, because I don't know if he can knock out Aldo. Whereas I do think Aldo could knock him out. That's just my opinion. I'm going to go, oh, man, maybe my heart a little bit here. I do want Font to win. I like Aldo, but... Font's just, I got a soft spot for him. So he knocked out my brother-in-law. So he's a good dude as far as I'm concerned. He's so. also local to us. Yeah. 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 I've seen him fight live. I went to, you know, Boston. So I like him. I, I hope uh, I hope he gets it done. I'm going to say five-round decision. I agree with you. I think if Font's going to win, that's probably his best chance. It is possible Jose gasses out, you know, late in the fight and, and Font swarms him. I, I just think that Jose has a more diverse, you know, repertoire of abilities. So if if it goes to the ground, which I don't think it does, neither guy wants to go to the ground. 
Aldo has the advantage, but also the diversity of Jose Aldo strikes where, you know, he'll throw more kicks and flying knees and all that stuff that Font has to worry about. Whereas Aldo's boxing's very good. And he throws super hard and very accurate body strikes, especially as Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. But Font's going to have more to worry about with Aldo coming at him and trying to dodge his punches and all that. I think technically he's the better boxer, but he can get swarmed with power. So I'm going to go with Aldo. It hurts me mm-hmm. saying I do like Aldo, but like you, I'm definitely more of a fan of Rob Font. I think Aldo probably TKOs him in the fourth round. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can definitely see it. I think the key to the victory for Font will be he's just going to have to be very strategic. You know, he's going to have to yeah, safe, put the pressure on, but also, like, not engage and watch out for those leg kicks, even though Aldo doesn't use him as much still. I just think Aldo is just – he's so well-rounded. Unless it's, this is, like, you know, those fights are finally catching up to him. Like, he's definitely got to be the favorite in my eyes. But I'm going to pick with my heart this time. I'm going to go Rob Font, five-round decision, squeaks it out. It's going to be a good fight no matter what. Yeah. Watch the fights. So we'll be back next week. Actually, I want to do that one more time. What we're doing. That's right. So December 11th, we're going to be doing UFC 269, Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. December 18th, we're going to have a fight night, Derek Lewis versus Chris Dukakis, big heavyweight fight. And then at the end of the year, on Christmas Day, we're going to have a wrap-up show for the entire year, favorite fights and all that. And then starting uh, January 1st, we're going to do a preview show for you know who we think is going to lose their belts, who's going to be the new champs, what fights we want to see in 2022. Right, so stuff to look forward to. Till then, should be a good weekend of fights. I think by the time this airs, you might, at least on the audio version for sure, you're probably already going to have seen the Bellator fight. So we'll see how our boy Sergio does against. Yeah, uh, look for us in the crowd. Yeah, we'll see. Might be boxies, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. do anyway, yeah, until uh, next time, we'll see you uh, right here. Combat Podcast, baby. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week.